just because you don't necessarily go through the traditional route does not mean you're doing something wrong. Like a school for me was a waste of my time. Yeah. Personally, other than the social aspect of things, I think it helped me grow socially exponentially. Right. Um, because that was the only thing that I truly enjoyed. It, but um, it gets you yeah, out was, of your your folks, uh, like your lifted sphere, right? So we're all influenced by who we were raised around. So we inherit our parents' biases and everything else. Going to school gives you outside opinion and helps. Right. But you're right. I mean, I look at how many things I learned in school that are valuable, and it's not. And so we've had the same discussion. I have a four-year-old, and that's like – do we put away for her college fund? I'm like, well, colleges even exist by the time she's 18. I don't think they will, you know, unless like you said, you're going into a specialized field. I can see apprenticeship learning from a mentor one-on-one that you're learning real time application versus written material. That's usually outdated by the time it's published is where we're going to go. And you're right. We're missing out on emotional intelligence courses or life skills. And, you know, with working in with corrections on putting education into the correctional environment, life skills and entrepreneurial skills are what are helping incarcerated individuals regain the ability to join society and make a living so they don't return to crime. One, I mean, 1000%. I mean, what, what was it that, uh, I don't know if it was Tony Robbins or some other uh, influencer. <laughs> Uh, I hate that word. But, so do I. Uh, that that said, <laughs> God, it just gets under my. Knee. It, they ruined it. Yeah, like it. It was. It had meaning up until about three years ago, yes. and then it, they just ruined it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and by they, I mean them. <laughs> yes, the they and them that are proud of themselves. Yes, but uh, the, yeah, yeah. But he, I, I think it was him that said that, uh, like the. The, the self-education or the online education industry is going to be a trillion-dollar industry mm-hmm. here in the next, what, 10, 15 years? Yes. I think it's going to be a lot sooner than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, look what we're accomplishing. Like, yeah, we've got some issues with, like, Zoom fatigue and, you know, being on calls constantly and doing the virtual thing. We, we're human beings. We need to, I think, communicate face-to-face. There, there is that element of, right, you know, touch, feel. Yes. Um, but, but having the ability to be able to learn like this mm-hmm. and, and then you look at, like, what, what is available to us, man – there are so many podcasts that that are in my repertoire of people that I admire and that I find so much information invaluable mm-hmm. that I, I would pay thousands of dollars to learn this stuff. Right. And yet it's it's there for free. You just have to know where to look and how to sift through it because there's a copious amount of information and you don't necessarily know like where to navigate. But that opens up opportunity for people to be like, hey, I'm going to navigate. I'm going to help navigate. I'm going to be the guy that's going to help navigate. Oh, you need to learn about, you know, science and this and that. Then this is these are the people you want to listen to. You want to learn about entrepreneurship. These are the people that you want to listen to. And I think that's just going to create another market to really capitalize on. 100 percent. In my opinion, it's no different. That's why I love about Clubhouse, right? Is Clubhouse was the first organic one you could get on. And then I followed Joe. And if I like somebody in the room, I followed them. And you got to meet and follow different people that you would have paid to go to a seminar to listen to. And you got to listen to it for free. I don't get on it nearly as much as I used to, but that's what I loved about it. That's what got me from December through April was I would just get on it anytime I was running an errand because it was the ability to not only learn, but interact at the exact same time. And it, it just changed my world with the amount of people I met. So. I, I think you're right on with there. What are your thoughts about it now? I feel like, so I haven't really been on it since, since around you and me and Joe, like I was, yeah. you know, hanging out with you guys on that platform. Right. Um, I, I've tried jumping in here and there. And personally, I've just I feel like it's, it's a lot of redundancies yes. and it's a lot of people just trying to be in the cool just trying to get some, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah. Yeah. Literally like, like groupies. Yes. Like, oh, come join our group. We're the cool group. And I'm like, this is starting to seem a little high school. It, very much so. Because as far as like the, yeah, it's become, uh, it, well, no, I, I want your thoughts. on. Yeah. That. It's become that when you join into a room, it's the same players every time. So whereas it used to be an exploratory discovery app, it's become so oversaturated with a bunch of people going into a big room and keeping it open for multiple days. Cause they figured out how to game the system that now when you log in, I actually don't go look at what rooms it recommends. I go look at which of the people I used to follow are in a room. And that's how I choose where to go this day and age. Mm-hmm. But to your point, it's a lot more gossiping and attacking other people versus sharing information and growing, which is what I loved about it last December through April. Yeah. 
It, it is unfortunate, and I agree with you. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts about the Spotify platform? I set up an account, but I haven't really utilized it. Haven't used it. Um, I, there's a brand new one called Breakout. Uh, Bradley had a somebody on Dropping Bombs this week who this one's going to be where you can go in and not only will it be like Clubhouse, but they're going to you can earn credit for hosting rooms, inviting other people, talking, creating content. And I think they said, and I can, I'll share the, with the, uh, the YouTube link with you so you can watch it. But then there'll also be where when you're talking, Please. you can do a search into a search bar and like research a topic while you're talking about it. So they're going to add in several facets, facets that are missing from Clubhouse, but I don't see Clubhouse ever going away. And his analogy was he doesn't want to take away from Clubhouse. He wants to, to be more like Uber and Lyft. Just where do you, which way do you want to go today? Oh. Yeah. And back to- You said it's called Break Room? Uh, breakout. I'll find, I'll send you the YouTube. Breakout. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Hey, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. It's like, it's opening up this new social, social platform, like arena or industry. Right. I mean, cause I don't really see a lot of people using Facebook's version. No, um, not at all. A lot. Uh, Facebook, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't log on to it unless I'm going into a group that I'm a part of, or if I'm killing time. And I used to be a Facebook addict a long time ago. And now it just seems like once it became so political, people were searching for reasons that we weren't alike versus what we were like. So it used to be, hey, you know, about this. And oh, yeah. it became so polarizing that people looked for reasons to pick a fight instead of looking for a reason to come together. So I just quit getting onto it for a while. It just, and now I, I log in every once in a while, but I spend far more time on Instagram or YouTube or Clubhouse, which, like I said, that's taking a back seat to podcasts now. And back to your point that you brought up earlier, what I really think is valuable. I think the online education um, industry got a huge bump from the lockdown because that gave people time to research. Well, what else do I want to do? I may lose my job. What else have I always wanted to do? And that's where I think it got the biggest bump of people who searched and signed up for classes because what everybody did was it used to be the business model was go and talk to get people to my live event and then I'll give away content, right? Because I want them to sign up for my class. Well, when people couldn't go anywhere, speakers had to completely change their model to, oh, I should have an online class. I mean, look at all the people who spun up a light speed system or a, mm -hmm. a Kajabi system or a Teachable, you name it. And I, as a matter of fact, I saw a statistic while we're talking about this, I made a note of yesterday and that is something like 4.8 million uh, people quit their jobs in the month of, yeah, 4.3 Americans quit their jobs in August. Not were fired, but quit their jobs because I think people have learned new skills or learned what they want to do and people don't feel as stuck as they once did. You know, so you can get online and find a course for anything. Whereas before people didn't want to do it because they wanted live in person two or three day events. I, I, I think that's, I mean, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. I just, my, um, my concern with, with everything that's happening is that it's, it's like a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. It's offering so much opportunity that wasn't there before because it's opened people's eyes like, Oh, we can do this. But like guys like you and me and Joe, like we've known about these online, you know, protocols and, and, and industry types and the way to make this side hustle money mm -hmm. for a very long time. I'm assuming right. you as well. Yep. And so, so it's like, okay, is he going to oversaturate the market? But at the same time, the market is going to dictate quality versus crap. Exactly. No matter what there's no at the end of the day. And that's kind of, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I'm agreeing with you. It's kind of like, who's the best lawyer? Is it the one with the best marketing or the one who wins the most in court, right? It's all going to come down to what content do you put out there, but there's going to be a lot of people who hire somebody that's going to do good marketing and they're going to have crap content. And what's going to happen is some people oh, will get burned gorgeous. and then they're going to say, I'm not going to sign up for any more online classes. And then on the opposite side of that, somebody's going to sign up for something and realize they have a passion or a love for it and they're going to keep learning. Right. So there's, there's a few ways to look at it. You made a, I had to write that down because that was gold. So good marketing versus deals done yep. or cases one, right? Yeah, absolutely. That is huge because we're in a society right now where, where what? Look at TikTok. Yeah. Okay. You are becoming famous. Like we used to, I had this conversation the other day with a gal named Linda Catalina mm -hmm. that was on my podcast. And we were talking about like, we used to give so much, so we used to give so much crap to like the Kardashians. Yes. Right. Where they were just famous for being famous. Right. 
if that was famous for being famous, then we're on like a whole nother level now. Because we've got these kids that come out of nowhere just making up dances and becoming viral and now are getting TV deals. And they are winning in this game mm -hmm. based on popularity yep. and, and based on essentially marketing. Mm -hmm. But not the skill aspect, right? Not not <clears throat> not 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 the not the actual product or the service. Right. It's just it's this thing, right? It's, it's elusive. So, so, you know, I want to ask you, so what do you still believe that at the end of the day, like, cause they don't necessarily have businesses. Correct. I don't know what, you know, majority of these people, they're just, they're just doing it for maybe fame, maybe, maybe to generate some sort of like affiliate revenue, whatever the case may mm -hmm. be, but they don't have an actual business practice. There isn't anything in there that they're selling, whether it be a product or a service, even though majority of them end up doing some sort of merch. Right. But how is that sustainable long-term 10, 20, 30 years? Are they going to be selling merch when they're 50 years old <laughs> well, doing the same thing? Where, where is that common practice? You know what yes, I'm saying? Absolutely. I think it's like anything else. It's, you can go in and you can make money, but then it's how do you reinvest your money, right? So it's no different than if you work a salary job. Are you investing in your 401k? Are you investing in your future? Or are you one of those bartenders who's 75 and never did anything but bartend? Don't get me wrong. I used to be a bartender, so I'm not talking trash on the profession. But there comes to be a time that you have to decide if I want to do anything else, I may have to take a step backwards because a lot of bartenders make really good money, right? And I know that was my hardest challenge yeah. is when I left bartending to go into the corporate world, I took a pay decrease, but I knew in the long run, every time I wasn't behind the bar, I wasn't making money. And so I think that's where you look at a great um, one to follow on Instagram is influencers in the wild. It's people catching other people making like dance videos and everything. So I think that you definitely have. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, yeah. If you've never seen it, I'll, I'll send the link to you. But to your point, I got it. Yeah, if, if you're a fitness model, right, and you have a, a brand with an apparel yeah. company, how long is the longevity of that career versus if you become a spokesperson or, you know, become a public speaker or you have to have a transition plan other than just dance for attention. Um, you know, like, for example, right now, let's take a totally different uh, avenue. There's kids who record themselves playing video games, right? And they get paid out because people watch how they play a video game. Well, eventually there's going to be a different version of that game or, you know, there's going to be a different platform. Do you start from scratch? Does your audience follow you? So you're right. You have to have multiple pillars and you have, you can't be single threaded unless it's a universal skill. So, um, you know, even look at most people like uh, one of my business partners, Janine Driver, she's a body language expert, right? Used to work mm -hmm. for the ATF. She's a, but she didn't just teach body language courses. She wrote a book. She also teaches now emotional intelligence. So you have to, you start with a niche and then you have to grow beyond it because nothing lasts forever, no matter what it is. I, I love that. I think that was so eloquently put and, and it leads me to my next question. Sure. Do you believe everybody that has a job, a J-O-B, whether it be, well, a job or a career mm -hmm. that they should have some sort of side hustle oh. because I truly believe that everyone should own something that is 100% there. 100%. And it, it could be the, the challenge is people think it has to be this thing that brings in equal pay to what they have. No, what you need is something that is like a passion project on the side. But if it brings in money, it's even better. The worst thing that's out there and especially look at how many people were affected last year right? Who lost their job and had absolutely nothing, nothing. They had no idea what to do because they were single focused their entire life. Now I came from a background where I was a, I, like I said, I was a bartender, I was a bouncer. I worked tech support. I used to be an, an installation engineer. And then I went into sales. And part of why I went into sales was because I was sorry, I was a corporate trainer and then I did sales both. And those two things was I knew every company had those two positions. But there's a lot of people who are so scared to death every single day that if they lose their job, what will they do? Now, conversely, I have a friend who's a pilot for um, one of the airlines, and they were offered a package to go at lower pay for a year and a half. And he took that package and didn't fly. And they did it so that everybody could keep their job. And it was only because he had side hustles that he didn't freak out. But imagine your company coming to you. And let's say you work for a company and you make $10 a year, right? We'll just make up simple math. And they came to you and said, hey, good news. You get to keep your job, but you have to do it at $5 instead of $10. Are you willing to do it? 
how many people budget based on what they earn 100%, right? And that's the big challenge with a lot of Americans, right, is whatever you make is exactly what you spend. And I have credit card debt too, so I'm not talking trash on things I haven't done myself. But that's the realizations. I have investments right. beyond, you know, just a paycheck. So you have, you know, you can work on, and there's so many things that you can do. You know, people do Uber, people do Lyft, people um, do delivery services, you know, walk dogs, you name it. But I think you have to have more than something or you'll always live in fear of losing that one thing. So, so how did you get into, so how did you go from like a corporate trainer to sales into this facial recognition, the science sure. um, about discovering how I look and the perception of my, my facial features, because I'm a pretty animated guy, as you can see. Right. <laughs> it, uh, fluke chance. So I had a friend who was coming down here. She was going to work a, she was here for a trade show in Dallas. And she said, Hey, let's meet up for dinner. I'm like, yeah, that's great. And I had gotten to the restaurant and I'm sitting there and I'm waiting around and she's like, Hey, I'm not going to make it. And I'm like, Oh, here we go. Mm. And she said, you have to come over and meet the keynote speaker. And I'm like, ah, look, I just sat down. I just got a glass of wine. I'm staying here. Thanks for your time. I'll see you next trip. And she said, no, trust me. You need to come meet this guy. So I said, okay, hopped in, uh, this was before Uber. So I hopped in a cab, went over to meet them at the convention center. And I met Mac and she said, watch what he does. I said, okay. He goes, this, 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 this about you. And it wasn't Barnum statements like you can read that just say, I bet you've experienced a tough time once in your life, or I bet you've lost a loved one. It was yeah. very specific things about my face. I was like, oh, crap. And then he did it to three or four other people at the table. And I was instantly hooked. I'm like, all right, how do I learn this? Because the thing about me is I've grown up my entire time. People assume I'm an extrovert because I'm out, but I'm really an introverted extrovert. And that meant I'd love to be around people, but I was terrified of being around people at the exact same time. And so while I was out, I was one sitting in the corner or I always felt awkward. I was in this, stuck in a prison of my own mind. Learning that skill in 2012 literally changed my life because it got me out of the prison of my mind into the present moment. Because when you're learning to focus on somebody else, you're not focusing on you, right? So if you've ever read, read the book, The Five Love Languages, there's the five different types of ways that people feel loved. And the way I feel versus the way they feel, you have to alter your behavior to make them happy. Face reading is no different. And so I went from being an introvert that I was always around, but I, I felt weird in conversations. And then at work, I picked professions where people always had to come to me. So I mentioned earlier, I was a bouncer, bar back. I worked retail. I showed, I was Al Bundy. I sold ladies' shoes for a while at Dillard's, right? Uh, they were all things that people had to come and talk to me. And once I learned to read faces, then number one, when you pay attention to people, people can tell right? The biggest challenge we have right now with Zoom is my camera's up here, but your face is down here. And so going back to our friend, Joe, oh, yeah. Joe puts a little post note up here. So he always knows where to look. Cause if not, we end up looking at each other and we're not looking at the camera, right? Well, eye contact is no different. Oh yeah. <laughs> so when you're talking to people and you're paying attention, look, but if I look at the camera, I don't even see your face. Exactly. And that's the challenge. See? Yeah. That Right. Yeah. <laughs> so now what I love about this is that, <laughs> Sorry, yeah, that's the difference between reading body language and reading faces. Right. So I, I like in my books right here, this entire shelf is body language books right here. But face reading was the first thing that I ever could proactively do. And I was paying attention to the person instead of what they were doing. And so it really brought me into the present moment. And that's what changed everything for me. And so I still carry to this day, um, my book bags over there, but I carry the book that my mentor wrote with me everywhere I fly, because I'll just pick, uh, I'll do it for two reasons. One study while I'm gone. Number two, best conversation starter you can ever have anywhere you go. And then that leads me. So I'll lay the book out. Somebody will ask me about it. And then I, I read their face. And I even, I call it facial analysis or, and, and that actually comes from Glenn uh, Morshower. He was on Clubhouse. He says, well, when Brian analyzes, analyzed my face, I'm like, ooh, I love that. I'm going to steal it. Because when I say face reading, people go, ooh, can you read my palm too? And I'm like, no, I can't read palms. So yeah. 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 Um, I used to call it facial feature recognition, but then I keep getting hit up by software companies on how the AI is used to design the code. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So um, anyway. That's how I met Mac. I got certified in 2012 and it changed the trajectory of my life. I went from help desk to then I became a corporate trainer, but then I got moved to sales. 
And I was doing so good at presentations that they then moved me to, we called it the pro demo team, where any customer that was over a million dollars, they flew me around the world with two other people to do the presentation. If you've ever done that, you can practice everything in your hotel room. You know, is my PowerPoint working? Is my projector working? Okay, is the demo of the software working? But people were always the unknown. But because I could walk into a room and immediately figure out, okay, how does this person take in information? How's this person? That when I was giving the presentation, I knew it was something that spoke to them. I would look at them or I'd point to them. And it made a huge difference on when we would win things because people like, oh, they know exactly what I need. And that's what it's all about is just figuring out how to build a connection with other people. So even though I'm still an introvert. You were able to identify that that quickly? Oh, yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, but you were able to identify that that fast. Yeah. So there's, there's a, just walking into a yeah. presentation. You know why? Cause everybody has eyebrows. Well, 99% of people have eyebrows. You don't catch a few who made a mistake and may have trimmed them off, but eyebrows alone, the, <laughs> the reason I teach eyebrows is because you can see it from far away. You can see it with sunglasses on and it, it tells you basically how do they take in information and how do they process information? So do they think about themselves? Do they think about the people around them first? Do they want just get straight to the point, you know, facts, figures, data? That is based on eyebrows alone. And when I teach it, one of the best compliments I get, and you get these all the time, was I spoke at Steve Sims' event in San Diego two months ago. And there was a realtor there, mm. and uh, he, he emailed me later. He said, I thought you were full of it. I listened to you talk. I thought there's no way in the world this crap works. He goes, but then I started looking at people's eyebrows and I changed how it was done and it changed how people interact with me and helped them close deals. So that's the best compliment you wow. can ever get is when somebody who doesn't believe you reaches back out to you afterwards to say, I paid attention, I downloaded the cheat sheet, and now it's helped me change my life. And that's what I truly love about it. So, but yes, to answer, that's awesome. Man. Yeah. To, so to answer your question, go ahead. It can be done reactively, which means like if you're going to a networking event, I can walk in and change what I focus on. Or the best part is like, for example, since we knew we were going to have this podcast today, I could have gone to your social media, LinkedIn, anything else, found pictures of you and analyzed your face ahead of time so that I feel comfortable with you. Like I already know you when we come into the podcast. So it's, is it like identifying like personality traits so that you can mirror and match them? It's um, to a degree it is. So when to go with the statement you just made, I look at ears versus eyes, right? So if somebody has larger ears and they have kind of smaller eyes, now their eyes will never be as large as their ears, but you can tell when somebody has larger eye or smaller eye. Well, if they have a small eye and large ears, well, then they're more auditory than they are visual. So what you say is things like, does this sound like a good idea? Do you hear where I'm coming from? Listen to this. Those are all auditory words, right? Conversely, if they're more visual, because mm -hmm. they have larger eyes and smaller ears, then I would say visual terms. Uh, can you see where I'm coming from? Hey, I'll see you later. Picture this. So all you're doing is trying to speak somebody else's language. So the simple analogy I give is I used to be the worst kind of tourist, right? When I was very young, before I, I studied abroad, when we would go somewhere, I just assumed everybody should speak English. And if they don't understand what I'm saying, I should speak louder, right? Because that's how it works. <laughs> and uh, once I changed that to everywhere I go, I learned basic phrases, right? Please, thank you, good morning, good afternoon. Um, where's the bathroom? Where's the check? You know, basic phrases. That will change your entire experience because when you try to speak somebody else's language, they give you a lot more grace. And that's exactly what this is, is when you're speaking... You're making it about the other person because you're speaking their language and that just builds rapport like you wouldn't believe. There's a lot of times, so I get hired out for entertainment events where people will hire me to come work. Um, like I did Young Presidents um, organization last month in Fort Worth where I just read people's faces. So I don't teach them how to do it, but I just come in and I call it paid practice where I come into an event and I'll read someone's face. And seven out of 10 times, if it's a larger group, somebody's going to cry because it's the first time that anybody wow. has ever seen them the way that they see themselves. A lot of people feel dismissed, ignored, avoided by even the very people in their life. And what's really ironic about it is a lot of times it's people who have rounded eyebrows because of people with rounded eyebrows, think about the people around them first and themselves second. And so they're so busy doing everything for everybody else that they don't think anybody thinks of them. And so when I read their face, it used to like shock me. 
And so when somebody would start crying, I would start apologizing and I learned not to do that. Now talking about body language, what I did is if somebody started having that emotional reaction, I knew I need to step away and give them space until they felt comfortable. Then I would come back in. Right. So it's learning to your mirroring and matching part. You have to know body language and proximity of people and everything else. And yes, reading their face will tell you a little bit about how do you use all that. Do you mind giving us like a little sure breakdown? Yeah, you want I'll pop up on the screen breakdown. here. Um, I just recently did a training for an RV dealership. So this is how do you build rapport with customers when they walk in the door? Right. So let me make sure it shows up on the screen here, and I'll be looking a little bit away while it does. Uh, let's. You're fine. Good. And then, uh, oh, perfect. There we go. You already figured it out. Yeah. All right. I don't have to teach you anything. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll go through this fairly quick because I'm just going to kind of recap what we talked about earlier, and I'm going to show you the three types of eyebrows because the one thing I always want to leave people with are those, and the reason for that is. When you look at people's eyebrows, it leads to eye contact, and that is a game changer in itself. So even if you never tell somebody that you're what you're doing, right? You just look at their eyebrows and think, okay, what shape is it? What should I modify? But that even looking at somebody's eyebrows, they feel like you're paying attention to them, and it just creates a totally different bond. So, with that being said, um, this well, I'm excited. I'm going to be a student right now. Yeah, um, this one was more about um, selling for an RV dealership. So this is when somebody comes in, how can you use it, right? So the first part is uh, who am I? We've already talked about who I am, but this is me speaking at different events. One was at Bradley's event in Las Vegas. The other one was Steve Sims event in San Diego. Um, what are we going to learn today? We kind of already talked about this. It's basically how to change how you interact with everybody and how it helped me both personally and professionally. What are the big challenges everybody has today? Well, it's this right here, which is a lot of people are spending time either on the computer, over email. We're having to do Zooms. We're having masks. We can't see everything. So the challenge with masks are not only are we so used to seeing everybody's face, like we're natural lip readers. And when we can't see that, we don't understand because we're so used to reading people's lips when they talk. But also, it's the muffled sound. So we constantly see ourselves leaning in. What did you say again? It's, it's a hard time, right? So what are we going to learn today? We already kind of talked about this. What I didn't mention is I do tell some people what I do because I practice everywhere I go. So what does that tend to lead to? This uh, free upgrades, free food and drinks, and celebrity-like status. If people know that you know how to do this and you can teach some them anyone something about themselves or something that can help their life, it changes the way people view you. So I go to certain places around Dallas now and they're like, hey, 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 we have somebody new here and they'll bring people out of the kitchen or from the back or they've got a new server or whatever because I love to teach this to servers because people usually ignore servers, right? And this is how they can increase tips just by paying more attention to their customers. So um, where does it come from? This has been all the way back since the time of Aristotle. They used to, after somebody was deceased, look at the muscles in the face. And what happens is the mind creates movement, movement creates muscle. No different than... If somebody goes to the gym, and I know you like to work out, well, if you never did legs, your upper body would be huge, and you could have little scrawny legs, and you'd never say, oh, well, that's genetics. It's what muscles you chose to move, right? And your face is no different. Right. It's what we were genetically born with that we inherited from our ancestors, and then it's what did we experience. And what happens is, again, the mind creates movement, movement creates muscle. So as we experience things, our face alters over time. So if I showed you a picture of me at 16 versus 36, I look like two totally different people. Well, one I had hair, but facially a whole lot different too. Like I have angled eyebrows now. I didn't have that when I was younger. I had straight and rounded eyebrows and that'll make more sense here in a minute. But that's always a question we get. If you want to learn more, you can just go to subtleskills.com forward slash history. No, that's actually, that's actually interesting. I, I didn't have angled eyebrows until I got older and mm -hmm. like, you know, you go get haircuts and they would start shaping them. But I think I'm naturally round if I look at yeah. Uh, and fuller. I've gone thinner over the years. Well, so the but, thinner is, is actually a reflection. Of, but, and, uh, and I have really... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. Sorry. I keep interrupting. No, you. you're fine. I was just saying I have really big ears. Yeah. Like in comparison to my eyes. Yep. So you probably like more auditory things. Like, um, so some, I do. Yeah. And so that's why like, if I was doing business with you, right, I would give you a call first or I'd send you a voice text because that's going to get your attention faster than sending you an email or a visual text, right? And that's how you adjust. Like That's brilliant. I was talking to a, a friend of mine, Ed Parquet, yesterday, and he loves to talk on the phone, right? So I know if I ever send him a text, he's either going to send me a voicemail or just call me. 
And conversely, Janine Driver, who I mentioned earlier, the body language expert, I know if I'm texting with her, she may not answer. But if I leave her a voice text, she answers like that. So you just learn to adjust to somebody else's communication style. Their face is no different. It tells you a little bit about it, which is actually, ironically, the perfect segue to this slide, which is we actually talk about face reading or facial analysis, but we never really were taught it uh -huh. formally. So all the phrases you see here, you know, are phrases like keep your nose to the grindstone. Well, a smaller nose is somebody who's great at doing repetitive tasks over and over again. You know, or if I say, hey, keep a stiff upper lip, that means, you know, don't share your emotions. Don't get emotional, right? So somebody who has a flatter upper lip doesn't right. like talking about themselves. So all these things that we say every day actually tell you about somebody else's face. And that's because authors and artists used to go to classes based on physiognomy for two reasons. Authors, because they didn't have pictures of who was in the book, right? So they had to learn how to describe the facial features, the attire, the body shape of their character so you could picture them in your mind. And so they would say things like, as he came up with his pointed chin and his downward angled nose, well, who else has that? Witches, pictures of the devil, right? Pointy goatee. So sharp angled things. Mm -hmm. Authors have been teaching us this to us our entire life or go to any Disney cartoon. And I guarantee you, we can mute it or any cartoon and you can tell me who's the hero and who's the villain based on what they look like. Right. So we've been taught this our entire life, just never yeah. formally. Um, what I like about what does I'm all ears mean? I mean, I know, oh, yeah. I, I know what it means. I mean, it's like, I'm listening. But yeah. What's your, uh, because interpretation, that's exactly what it is. I'm ears. listening. So I'm more auditory. I'm all ears. I'm giving you my time and attention. Okay. And yes, I'm all ears. Awesome. Yeah. This is so cool. <laughs> so we kind of talked about this one earlier. What I really loved about it was, was the first thing that I could be proactive with. So when I went to Steve Sims event, it was called the speakeasy and they never know when you sign up for Steve's events, you never know who the speakers are. And so they added me to the Facebook group and I could see everybody who was coming to the event because they'd all sign in like, can't wait to be there in two days, whatever. So I was analyzing everybody's face when they came in. So when I walked in, I felt like I knew everyone. So I could immediately walk in and talk to them as if we were friends that I just haven't seen in a while. And the feedback I got later on was like, man, I feel like I've known you for forever. And that was the value of being able to look at people prior. Um, I talked about body language. It's important. I believe in these two books, one by Janine Driver, the other one by Joe Navarro. This is a great one to start with. And then this one here is a more of look at your own body language, right? And you have to know how to read the broom in terms of body language because that tells you a lot more. We've been taught to hide our words, but we're not that good at figuring out how to watch our body. Um, but the problem is we do a lot of business over the phone or over video. So you can't see a lot of body language, right? So then you have to start listening to people's words and how they talk, or if you learn how to analyze their face, like we talked about earlier with, do I look at the camera up here or do I look down at you is no different than how body language looks. So what I love about facial uh, analysis is when you're reading facial features, you're giving people your time and attention versus looking down at their body language. Uh, the other thing is I used to be told to ask questions or if you went to somebody's house, look around their house, look around their environment, right? Like what do they have pictures of? Do they have sporting emblems, whatever? And the problem is that some people just don't like to talk about themselves. So asking a lot of questions starts to feel like an interrogation. And so going back to what we talked about earlier, like if somebody has a thinner upper lip, they don't like to be asked a lot of personal questions. And so what you do is there's two ways to look at that. Number one, you don't ask a lot of personal things immediately. And then number two, when they start sharing personal information, that's exactly the same as body language being in rapport because you know that they've made, they feel comfortable with me to share information that they otherwise don't feel comfortable doing. So, um, that's fantastic. Oh yeah. You can learn. I, this is the eyebrow thing that I'm going to teach you today will forever change how you look at people and in the best possible way. So, um, speaking of eyebrows, Ooh, nice. Yeah. I just grabbed these two people here. Right. And when you first look at them you think, okay, well, they seem nice enough. They, you know, in the picture, they've got their kids in the back and they're buying an RV. But when I look at this, I see so many different facial features with them, but the only one I'm going to talk about today is eyebrows. So they look and think in completely different ways. So if you notice his, his is very straight. Hers is rounded. His is also almost sitting on top of his eyeball and hers is raised up a little bit higher, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to teach you about all these things real fast. So how long does it take to learn? We're going to just go through it today. Can I say one thing? Yeah. Can I just say one thing? Yeah. 
I feel like this guy's going to come out to be like a sociopath or something. <laughs> well, you can tell the smile is not a truly genuine smile, right? That one's definitely a smile for the camera. Yeah. <laughs> but see, look at how you pick up on that. And yeah. they use this in advertising, right? This is in print. Yeah. This is a model who did this, right? Yeah. So you're absolutely right. And I'll, yeah. it's funny you picked up on that. Um, so I'm going to show you it can be used today. And this is what I love about it is every time I learn something new about a face, I just go out and practice it. And again, you don't tell people what you're doing. So nobody knows it but you. But it's the best hidden secret there is. So the other ways I talked about, you can go look up people on social media, Instagram, you name it. You find a picture. And like we talked about, you asked me earlier, hey, how's my lighting? Am I straight on with you? It's the same thing. You just look at a picture that somebody's looking at you dead on. And then you look at, hey, what stands out about their face is one way to do it. Or if you have, I, I like to look at eyebrows, eyelids, and lips. And I'll explain eyebrows today, but those are my three indicators of how to interact with somebody. And then I mentioned earlier, I also look at ears versus eyes. But a lot of the challenge is, like with her, what kind of ears does she have? You don't know, right? And so you're wearing your headphones. Mm -hmm. A lot of people hide their ears. So I teach that very last whenever I'm teaching how to understand faces. Um, then what do you do? You basically learn to speak their language. So one, you look at a feature, what does that feature mean? How would they best hear what I want to say? And then if I know that it's going to go, let's say I'm doing a presentation to somebody and I know that they're going to forward it on, let's say I'm talking to an HR about being a keynote speaker at their event. If I know I can analyze the person of who I'm going to talk to first, but if I know it's going within the rest of the company, then I need to add in these other words like auditory words, visual words, and kinesthetic words. So in my prep in the email. I was like, Hey, if this sounds like a good idea, you know, if you can see me being your speaker, then uh, let's get writing this contract out. And that simple phrases, I mentioned an auditory word, a visual word, and writing it out was a kinesthetic word, right? So you can just use this when you're talking to people and you can use this. I'll, I'll teach you a totally cool trick. Next time you get a long email from somebody, look and see what words they use. I'm very visual. So in my words, or even when I'm talking to people, I'll say, all right, well, I'll see you later. Or, hey, picture this. You can read through somebody's email or just listen when they talk to you. And you know how do they best um, or what sense do they use first. And then you just start repeating it back to those words in the exact same ways. It's a game changer. So listen to people, read their email, and they'll tell you like, exactly how it works. It's, it sounds like it's like a an elevated level of like mirror and matching, mm -hmm. uh, mirroring and matching, which, you know, you ever read, what was that? Daniel Pink's how to make people like you 90 seconds or less. Yep. You know, that was like the first book that I ever read that really like, I started to try to comprehend, you know, the, the body language aspect mm -hmm. of things and, and, and whatnot. But what you're describing is, is like taking it a few levels beyond that and trying to discern and identify through a multitude of different like sources, mm -hmm. like email, text, voice notes, absolutely facial features. Like this is fantastic. I can see this being like applicable, just like, just like uh, in alleviating a lot of pain points, just with like, if you're married as an example, right. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had a conversation with my wife that led to an argument just because of the language that I decided to use. Yes. I'm not talking about profanity, no. just talking about like, the, the cues and the verbal language that I was trying to, 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 to communicate that just didn't register with her or vice versa. Absolutely. Um, so I was looking, I was trying to look back through our text that I wasn't ignoring you. I was trying to look back and see if you gave away that you were more auditory than visual, but I don't see anything that you've said in here so far. But what I would do is I'd literally take a text or an email and say, oh, well, here you go. Hey, uh, send me messages telling me so-and-so, right? And so in here, you use some auditory terms. And so I would have guessed, okay, yeah, you're more auditory than you are visual. It, people will literally tell you how do they best receive or hear information. And we just, we're so busy. It's kind of like, if you know what active listening is, is actually listening to a person instead of listening to respond. Right. And we're all guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. Mm -hmm. But when you're, it's funny how, and I'll segue for a second. I know we're running long, but there's two sides of everybody's face. So there's a personal side and there's a professional side. And the easy way to remember it is if I say, Hey, are you married? That's a personal question. And that goes on the left hand in the U S. So this is my personal side. But when I'm dealing with people in a professional setting, I'll analyze those things because my entire goal is to build rapport with people. So I'll look at, okay, what words did they use? And if you've read the book, um, never split the difference by Joe Navarro, not Joe Navarro by Chris Voss, he talks about parroting. So when somebody says something, 
like, oh man, I can't just wait to go outside today. Then you pair it back, go outside today. And then people talk a little bit more. It's no different. So once you learn how somebody prefers to communicate, when you speak to them in the way that they like to, to talk, it changes the dynamic. And you're not making it about yourself. You're making about building a relationship with somebody else. Any questions? You want me to move on? That's fantastic. <laughs> I know. It's kind of mind-blowing, right? Keep going. Move on. <laughs> so uh, yeah. the easy with thinner. Like I, I already knew what you did. Like I had an idea. You know, Joe's mentioned a lot of things and, and, and you know, from our circles. And I've heard you give like you know, little nuggets here and there, but this is blowing my mind right oh, now. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you're sitting where I was in like, 2012. I, I love this stuff. <laughs> and the best part is it's recorded, right? So you can go back and listen. So, um, so all I do is I, yeah. I look at who am I going to be communicating with either ahead of time, I'll proactively go look them up or in the moment, if I'm networking with them, if it's somebody I just meet, I just think, okay, what features stand out about their uh -huh. face? And then how should I modify my approach? That's it. So I'll show you real fast. Eyebrows, what I like is, look, the people in the, in the top picture are smiling. They're not in the bottom one. Their eyebrows don't really change. Now, our eyebrows will go up and like surprise, right? You go, oh, and raise your eyebrows up. But smiling, my eyebrows don't change. And so you do pay attention to expressions. But for the most part, eyebrows are just good indicators. And here in these pictures, look at the position of the people. In all three pictures, you can still make out what type of eyebrows they have. And that's why I love to teach it, right? So you can't necessarily see her ears. Right. And there's other features you can or can't see depending on the position that they're in, but their eyebrows are always visible. So um, I love this one. This is just a screenshot I grabbed. Go and Google celebrities or people without eyebrows. Look at the people that you would normally recognize and without eyebrows, you don't recognize them at all. So that for some reason, they also like to knock That's out teeth. <laughs> yeah. So eyebrows are way more important than we ever give them credit for. And that's why when people go, ah, this is just bull crap. I'm like, all right, go shave off your eyebrows. People are like, whoa, I'm like, well, what does it matter if eyebrows don't matter, right? Um, and this is why they're so important is eyebrows oh, were initially- look like demons. Yeah, they do. I mean, you look, you don't recognize anybody. It, it just doesn't look right. So <laughs> um, here's an example why were eyebrows so important. They used to be filters to protect dirt and sweat and everything from getting into our eyes. And ironically, to tell us how do people take in information, how do they process information? So that's why I love to teach it. Um, so there's two parts. The first part is how high or lower somebody's eyebrows. So if you think of eyebrows like speed bumps on somebody's head and data is racing down your forehead to get to your eyes, well, the higher your eyebrow is, you can go kind of fast, but you got to go over the speed bump and then into your eye versus if it's very low, then data can race down somebody's forehead. Well, that's why you tell when you look at somebody, you can look at the height of their eyebrows and know, are they going to make quick decisions or do they need time to think it over or else they're going to feel like they have buyer's remorse. So examples of that is we had the lady earlier from the picture. See how there's a lot of space between her eyebrow and her eye here. She needs time to make a decision. Give her time to think about it. If you force the power close and the quick close on her, you may get a sale, but you've lost a customer because you violated how she processes information mm -hmm. and she's going to feel like you bullied her into it. Mm -hmm. And so again, you may have made the sale, but she'll never refer you to anybody else and she'll never want to come back and visit you again versus him where his eyebrows are so low to his eye. He makes some decisions very fast. So you can get straight to the point and move with him a lot quicker than you would with her. And if you're selling to both them, so in this case with dealerships, you would have to know, okay, start talking to her first because she's going to need a little bit more time. And she also has rounded eyebrows, which we're going to talk about in a second, versus he's going to get it so fast. Once I start talking to him, I better get straight to the point or I'm going to waste his time and he's going to get frustrated. So that's why I would focus on her first mm -hmm. and him second. Um, so there's three basic shapes of eyebrows, straight, angled, and rounded. And as kids, I like to use this analogy because we had to learn what blocks go in the right hole. And it's no different. Once you figure out what the three shapes are, you can figure out how to interact with that person. So straight eyebrow, get straight to the point, give them facts, figures, data, and then ask questions like, what else can I get you? The longer you talk, the more you piss them off, right? So with him, so such a straight eyebrow and close to the eyes, I know he's going to get it really fast. So I'm going to give him, what's the base information you need? Give them that and say, what else can I get you? Right. Or if you're telling a story, he doesn't want to hear the long story. He's like, give me the short and sweet version of anything. So you can learn this just by looking at somebody's face. Mm 
uh, angled eyebrows. So like I have here, the angled eyebrow, help me understand it so I can help other people. So an easy way to remember that's what's my angle, right? So this is a what's in it for me. And mm -hmm. it's not a selfish side. It's like I talked about, I'm a trainer. I'd love to teach other people, but I have to understand the content first and then I can go help others. So when you see an angled eyebrow, think, what's my angle? What's going to help them understand it first so they can then go help other people? And then the final one here is the rounded eyebrow. So when you, I call it well-rounded because they think about the people around them first and themselves second. So talking to the two different, the couple here, he's got a straight eyebrow. I'm going to ask him, what do you need to know about the car? Do you need to know, or the RV? Do you need to know about the gas mileage? Do you need to know about payment terms? Do you want to know about the engines, the tires, what? With her, I'm going to ask, oh, wow, who's going to be riding in the RV with you? Because she thinks about everybody else first and herself second. So I would ask her like, oh, who, who do you plan on taking on vacation? Because if I ask her about, oh, I bet you're so excited and you can't wait to do this. That's not how she thinks. She thinks of other people first and herself second. So she's not hearing me talk at all. And then they, people with rounded eyebrows, well, they like outside input or opinion. So easy way to remember. Mm. So uh, giving examples of three different eyebrows, but on different people. So you see she's got rounded eyebrows here. There's a little bit of space. So ask her about the people around her first. Give her a little bit of time. Coming over here, straight to the point, very close to the eyes. So he's going to make his decision a little bit quicker. And the reason I like to show her is we talked earlier about we have two different sides of our face. So on her personal side, get straight to the point. But on her professional side, help her understand it teach her what's in it for her. And so that's why we, when we hear the phrase, you're a little two-faced, it's actually a true statement based on your personal side over here and your professional side, which is this side of my face. So uh, I'll show you one or two more things. So that's a real thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. So you can look at people. Wow. If you take a piece of paper, like I encourage this, this is a little bit of a shameless plug. So this is one of the, the cards I give out to people when they're at courses so they can draw the features while we're talking about them. If you cover up one side of your face and go and do this in a mirror, you'll see that we're all asymmetric. We don't have perfectly symmetrical features because what we experience in our personal oh, yeah, life. Totally. Yeah. And that's because what we experience in our personal life has these muscles over here and our professional or outside life has this side over here. So you can actually have somebody whose eyes angle different, different eyebrows, you name it. And you can look at how do you talk to them when you're talking to them at business versus how do you talk to them when you're talking to them about anything else. So I'm going to jump through two more. Yeah, I didn't know that I had. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't know I had a lazy eye until I until I met my wife. She's like, do you realize that your right eye is sunken in? It looks like it's, I mean, I don't even know what's happening with it right now. Did you say that was your left eye or your right eye? I had no idea. With left or right? This eye. Right. So that's your professional one. So Oh, this is my, it's my right eye. Yeah. So that's your professional side. So, cause it's not where you'd wear a wedding ring. Right. And so your eyes can be different. Like it's, it's crazy. Once you learn this, cause you start looking at people and you're like, Holy crap, like people are different. And then you start, so what does that, what does that mean? So a recessed eye is more of you sit her. back and evaluate before mm -hmm. you make a decision. So I call it like a, when I teach eyes, uh, eyes forward versus an eye back is like, if you go to a seminar, who's sitting on the front row, that's their eyes are forward, right? They want to be included. They want to take it all in, but if you're sitting in the back of a seminar, you're evaluating everything that's going on, not just the speaker. So I sit in the back and guess what I have? I have recessed eyes because I'm always evaluating, right? I don't, I don't rush in to be a part of it all. I'm sitting back evaluating it all the time. So that's you. That's, that's so cool. <laughs> uh, I got that's two more so and then cool. I got to drop here in just a second. But, you know, with what I taught you earlier, no like what kind of eyebrows does she have? Can you see it? Or is that too small? Yeah. So, no, no, no this is good. Uh, so, her, her, I, it would be, I guess, to me, it's the left, but to her, it's her right. Uh -huh. Looks kind of straight, but her left eye looks rounded. Yeah. So it's it's very straight. Am I wrong? You're, you're pretty much it on. It's straight on both sides. So there's a little bit. It's just because of the way the shadow is. Okay. But see how straight they are right here. So okay. with her and with him, yeah. I would get straight to the point. Right. So these people yeah. would be the easiest people to work with because they're on the same page in the way they think. Right. So straight eyebrows, close to the eye, straight eyebrows, kind of close to the eye. So with them, they're going to be a lot easier to sell than they are. So look at him straight eyebrow. Right. Get straight to the point. Very close to the eye. 
hers mm. angled eyebrow, help her understand it. What's she going to get yeah. out of benefit out of buying this RV, right? And because it's an investment, you got to sell not just to the personal side, but to the professional side as well. So it's like, why should you spend all this money? And then, you know, talk about it. So it's interesting when you start looking at people, because you just start thinking, how would they best receive what I want to say? And all that's possible just from looking at people's faces. And this isn't, and this isn't just anecdotal. Like this is this is scientifically proven. It seems. Yes. Like. Uh, so it's about ninety percent. And what I've been doing is about ninety percent accurate. Now it's not called. If you look up physiognomy, they call it the science of. But there's not a true science. But just like body language isn't a true science, right? And so that's why it's called also it's the art and science. But it's because nothing in science it has to be a hundred percent proven, and it can't be, right? And just like no different. I wear my watch on this hand because I'm right-handed. But every time I see a watch on somebody's yeah. right hand, I say, hey, are you lefty? And they say, no, I just, um, or this is the way my dad wore it, or this is the way I just liked the way it felt. So nothing is 100%, but I find it to be 90% accurate. Here's where I always run into fun when I'm alive. So I did a, a podcast two weeks ago, and a lady had a very flat upper lip. Well, a flat upper lip means people don't like talking about themselves. And they're like, oh, hey, read her face. And I'm trying to like text the guy in the background, go like, this will not go well because when somebody has a flatter upper lip, the idea that somebody knows them based on their face alone is like, oh, that's really violating what I want. This is not where I want to be, right? And so I know they're going to disagree with everything. Or if somebody's really excited and they pull in their friend that's sitting there with their crossed arms, like, yeah, okay, go ahead then I know, oh, this isn't going to go well, because even if I'm right, they're not going to admit it. And so it's funny, because what I'll do is I'll ask them right. a question, and they'll say, oh, absolutely not. And I'll turn to the person who brought them over and go, is it kind of true? And they'll go, yeah, you're spot on. <laughs> so it's funny the way it works. Um, That's fantastic, man. So yeah. so I know you, I know you got to get out of yeah. here, but real quick, I want to ask, where where can people learn this, and how can they get in touch with you? Sure. Um, to, to, to essentially add this to their, to their skills list. Cause I think it's invaluable. Yeah. So, uh, website, subtle skills.com, um, Instagram, subtle skills, also S U B T L E S K I L L S. It's on here or this QR code that just popped up. People can just scan it with their phone. It'll take you to my tap link oh. and uh, they can reach out to me there. That's got my email, my phone number. And uh, I have a virtual training class. I do webinars. I go and speak and train companies in this. So, and I go to different events all around the U.S. So, that's fan that's fantastic. <laughs> you were you were ahead of me. Yeah. I cut you off, but you already. There. Oh yeah, this is always the one I leave up because at the end people. Well, ask, I, yeah. <laughs> no, I think the QR code is brilliant, especially in the presentation format. Uh, it's just so easy. You don't have to type anything. So open up your camera. Yep. I learned this a combination of our friend Joe Ingram, right? Because when he goes to different events before he got a, his the card that you know you can just tap on a phone. Before that, he would change his uh, background paper on his phone to a QR code. So when people said, "Hey, how can I get your information?" he would just open up his phone and share it that way. So Joe's like the you know the dark horse that nobody really knows about. That he's a freaking genius. I know he, he labels himself one. But I've never met a more accurate term because that guy is brilliant with the things that he does. So he's in a, he's like a, he's, he's an assassin. He, is. he really is. He is. You don't expect in, in it the, in the good sense <laughs> that he just, no, you don't. He's just like, boom. Yep. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. A well, sweet man. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. This, this has been fun. Yeah, it really has. I'm glad again, didn't outside of clubhouse and actually be on a conversation. The next step is in person, right? Go to habitsofthefew.com.